I'm Lizanne Flynn. I'm a master healer who works with both animals and humans, individually and together, in reuniting body and soul. I am the bridge for relationships between earthlings of all species so that the ripple effect of energetic shifts by each is honored and valued. I'm an animal communicator, medium, and medical intuitive, and I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support all earthlings in their recovery from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animals Eye View podcast. As I usually do, and maybe with this podcast one more time, I can continue to pull back the curtains on what it feels like to me, keywords to me, when an animal communicates with me. And further, maybe I can help you all out there in listener and downloader land, and thank you so much for that, by the way, to feel what that might be like for you. It does vary for me, and we'll go with that caveat for now throughout this podcast when I say I, it does vary by species and interestingly enough by elemental association, meaning earth, air, or water. The element of fire, although occurring on this planet, tends to be representative of what animals describe as soul energy, so that every earthling has by way of their incarnation on a living planet, the element of fire throughout their life experience here. And, of course, not surprisingly, in trots some mythical creatures such as dragon and phoenix wanting to have their say about being of fire, And I'm hoping to ask them to step back just a wee bit by reminding them that we're talking about this third dimension, aka Earth. There's a bit of a disappointment on their part, and yet they know that merely by recognizing them and giving them their voice with all of you, that it's the same as a guilt-edged invitation to engage with them, and perhaps as well a reminder to me to do a podcast on what we call mythical creatures. Because even with that spelling, it's important to acknowledge their existence in reality by defining that it's only our species who call them mythical. So I'll nod my head yes for now, which makes them very happy. (laughs) And I'm feeling more than a bit warm with my closer than normal proximity to actual creatures of fire, which makes me giggle because it's just so dang much fun. Enough on them for now anyway. Back to the elements and the varying by species of what they share with me in, in order for me to partner with them. Remember, their body communicates with my body via my nervous system as their bodies communicate with all other animal, plant, and crystal bodies, heck, the whole planet, via whatever nervous system is available. And that, of course, is going to vary by species and by the physical form in which lies the essence, and I'm hearing parameters of this telepathic communion. And it's important to keep in mind at this point that form follows function, so that whatever the function is of a specific species on this planet, there follows their form. And so, for instance, bat is going to communicate differently than, say, rabbit, who is going to communicate differently than, say, snake, and so on. And at this point, it might be helpful to visualize or even start writing down a flow chart based on physical form to see more clearly how they commune with me and others who would listen. I think we'd all agree that a bat is not a rabbit, is not a snake, right? 
Taking that even further, bat is an animal based both on the elements of earth and air. Rabbit is of earth and snake is also of earth. And let's add in fish, just to make sure we've got all of our bases covered, with the element of water. Because each of the aforementioned species have different physical forms and use the language of energy somewhat differently, you might think dialect here, although even that would be going too far, I think. Let's keep it simple and just say the language of energy, period, because it's a different internal translation for each of them because they're well different anatomically. That flavor, that wash of being bat or rabbit or snake won't be separate from the groundedness of what I'd feel when partnering with an animal of earth element association. If we add an air, as with bat or even bird, our animal ambassador of the day after all, there may be a lightness your body is just now feeling coming in to match that of the groundedness of earth. Certainly bat uses caves and trees and other earth structures differently than does rabbit or snake. So adding in the air element will translate itself differently into my nervous system and into yours. Because our nervous systems are also of earth and air, and non-coincidentally, 80% water, right? Each time that these elements are pinged, if you will, by our nervous systems via a message from the animal, it is akin to a dialect. Although, again, when we say dialect, that's defined as a variety of a language. And even that doesn't really fit because it's not overly prevalent in the message. It really does translate more, if you will, to flavor <laughs> of like a spice because the original substance that's being used as if in a recipe will be language. It just will feel like it's flavored differently. That's why I use the expression oftentimes with my clients, a wash of a particular thought or emotion. And come to think of it, I suppose I could switch to, you know, it's like a sprinkling of garlic powder, or perhaps a dash of turmeric or a little bit of salt and pepper. <laughs> you see how that might go. So getting back to fish with the element of water along with air and earth, because they are bound to earth via water and breathe air, there's kind of an interesting crossover with bird, whose base elements are earth and air, unless, of course, it happens to be a kingfisher, which even though it's a meat eater of fish is different than, say, a raptor who uses talons to catch prey. And so if we go back to the flow chart so that I don't get you all too confused <laughs> and you end up with a squiggly lined flow chart that is of no help whatsoever... I've often thought that of all the species who have companion animal relationships with humans, bird and fish are the two about whom I feel a bit of a pang when I commune with them. Because from my perspective, they're the two species when we have them in our lives, we also directly impact their freedom. Birds are usually housed in a cage that restricts their movements overall, and fish are usually housed in a container that likewise restricts their freedom and movements overall. And, you know, if you have a different opinion, I'd welcome it because I always want to remain curious and open. I'm hearing parrots chiming in now because they can be captive bred as well as taken from the wild as young ones and then made part of a human family. 
and I've interacted with several parrots in my career and naturally have a story or two to tell. Once was at a psychic fair held here in Colorado, and it was an African gray parrot. And come to think of it, both stories involve African gray parrots. In the first instance at the psychic fair, what I remember most was the response by the parrot after the session was over, as I came from around my exhibit table to give the woman a hug, and gingerly so, (laughs) because the parrot was good-sized, perched right there on her shoulder, and they emotionally bond very deeply with their human. So I didn't want to transgress on that relationship. The parrot, after the hug, began to nod his head up and down as if in a greeting motion accompanied by a deep cooing sound. And when I moved a bit in front of the parrot, he began to move more energetically. The woman seemed quite surprised and said, he usually only does this with me. It seems that he likes you quite a bit, which you might think is deliberately tooting my own horn. Happens quite a bit with animals with whom I commune. It's the language of energy, y'all. It's not me. That's the real excitement. It's that a being in human experience is actively and authentically using the language of energy to commune with them. And that's something that they usually only experience with other beings in animal experience. So, When we see each other, for instance, sometimes after I do a phone session, (laughs) I will have quite a greeting, enthusiastically so, on the part of the animal, which is always really, really great fun for me. And so with this parrot, because there was a shift in energy and the parrot was truly heard, he understood the assignment, if you will, and wanted to tell me thanks in his own way. And, of course, we've talked before about not going just by what the animal does. I felt the shift and so also felt the parrot's gratitude at having had their relationship with their guardian made better and more joyful. And that's that's really the only thing in which they're interested, right? Just like anyone else. To be understood as to understand, or so goes the song I used to sing in my church choir days from the aptly named Prayer of St. Francis. And before I start the second bird story of Mr. Zazu, let me add to the flowchart of what you may be feeling as we move closer to our animal ambassador, Bird, and their message this week of Sing. Communing with birds for me initially took more concentration than most other companion animal species because I perceived their energetic fingerprint to be of a frequency that needed me to be more with them, if you will, 98% of the time. It seemed and still does seem to require a more complete partnership than, say, an animal of earth or water. I've worked with a fair number of companion birds who feel the effects of captivity, for instance, in a cage who pull out their feathers because of stress. I remember one such parakeet whose eyes would close and they would drift off into Reiki land, as I like to call it, and become quite relaxed. And the very nanosecond that I had an errant thought come through of, oh, I wonder how much time is left in the session so I can be respectful of all involved, those eyes would snap open, the head would turn, and I would get a rather indignant look of, hey, what just happened? Then I would come back into the shared sacred space, as I like to call it, of Reiki, 
And the cycle would start again, although it only took once a session for this to happen because, hey, I'm in human experience too. Mr. Zazu was the African gray parrot who lived with a close friend, and she would regale me with stories about when she traveled alone, and her husband and son would be the ones charged with taking care of Zazu, who would not be happy (laughs) that my friend had gone anywhere of any length of time without him because they were bonded in that way, at least in his eyes. So Zazu would need to be put back in his cage or need his talons or his beak trimmed and his feathers would get so ruffled, literally, that the husband and son had to herd him with pillows in front of their bodies into a room so as to prevent any attacks. He was such a character. And so when he flew the coop, so to speak, he escaped one day through an open window. My friend was bereft and very sad for quite some time. I saw Zazu through remote viewing at the top of a pine tree that was close to their home, and like cat, the feral and captive birds tends to run very close to the surface, so that perhaps like indoor-outdoor cats, birds perhaps struggle a bit with different facets of their nature, the domestic bonds they create with us and the call of the wild, if you will, that is always present for them, and I dare say that with bird, the feral is stronger even than cat, as captivity is always necessary with bird and the clipping of their feathers also necessary if we are to prevent them from harm. I'll put a link in the podcast notes about the purpose of clipping, what's referred to as flight feathers. And it's not about flight per se, it's about preventing them from achieving and sustaining upward flight. And of course, Therein lies the rub, right? Yes, as guardians, once they are with us, they are dependent upon us for all of their survival needs, food, shelter, etc. It's always a weighty responsibility to have for another of Earth's beings, and one that should be entered into not lightly, I think, nor do the animals. So very much soul path awareness is possible when this is accomplished in the highest and best good of everyone involved, and so many soul songs to sing as the message from our animal ambassador bird comes through with one word, sing. I mentioned at the end of the podcast two weeks ago that bird thought we might be able to elaborate on the initial sounds or vocalizations they make when teaching our young humans what a bird sounds like, and truly... Bird recommends that we take walks in nature so that they may be able to greet our young and let them hear with their own ears the incredible variety that just this morning I was treated to when a black-capped chickadee and a house finch took turns nibbling from the bird feeder right outside my kitchen window. And, I would add, (laughs) much to the enjoyment and rapt fascination of both Hunter and Lil D, crouched as they were by the sliding glass door. It's so interesting to me that the birds don't seem to be bothered by the cats, and my hunch is that, as I'm hearing, well, they're not likely to break through the glass, and we're all about peaceful coexistence after all. And there's also just a slight flavor, a wash, a little bit of pepper, if you will, of the birds liking just a bit being the tease to the cats, knowing full well that they are teasing their very own predators. This last is a bit of a surprise because I wouldn't have thought that Bird was so mischievous. Then again, as science would say about the changing patterns of migration and why it's happening as it is, quote, there's just so much that we don't know. Indeed, science, indeed. 
And rather than get distracted by those intrusive, at least to bird, thoughts, we'll take a look again at their songs, because it is about the singing that they want us to direct our collective attention, rather than what we sometimes refer to as a cacophony of birds who wake us up in the morning. Oh yes, they say, we've heard your lamenting about our songs and about how to silence us both out loud to others and silently to yourselves. It is this ladder that holds the darkest of your contrast as you tend to communicate in terms of weapons that you seem to freely use against each other, as well as substances that would cause us and our whole families to become ill and fall from the very boughs of the trees we call home. Yes, we see and hear all of you, including those who revel in the distinct vocalizations that each of our species call our own. I'll insert here a bit of human-centric information about what we know of their ability to vocalize, and note that I'm calling it vocalization much in the same way that they would call our spoken language vocalization, because underneath it all is the language of energy. Nearly all birds have what we call a syrinx, S-Y-R-I-N-X, that helps them to make the vocalizations that they do, which comes from the Greek word for panpipes, which I think is lovely. Quoting from the article and a link in the podcast notes, when air passes over this syrinx, it is not much bigger than a raindrop, and it is nevertheless extremely efficient because it uses nearly all of the air that passes through it. By contrast, a human creates sound using only 2% of the air exhaled through the larynx. And like feathers, the syrinx is only found in birds. And as you might imagine, it varies an extraordinary amount between species, as some have no syrinx, and among songbirds, there is even more variation according to gender. And it is with this last note about how much air we use when vocalizing ourselves that bird flies in with many colored feathers and and sounds to gather round and give voice to their message of sing. Before I begin the message, I'll put a link into the podcast notes for birdsounds.net to which you can listen and learn to tell the difference between the songs of various birds in your area. You can also use the Merlin app, and one that's on my phone is from the Cornell Lab for Ornithology, and it's basically a point-and-record feature when you're out and about so that you can identify the often-hidden bird by its song. You'll notice that there are differences in their vocalizations between their song, their call, and even an alarm call. So, Bird begins, it's not just noise, as you sometimes unkindly refer to our vocalizations. Your own vocalizations are often harsh and hateful sounds against each other, and even the word love that you cast about so easily, as if it would fix everything, is not rooted in the energy of compassion and tolerance. They continue. What's missing from your language from your vocalizations is song, which we define as a celebration of whatever your experience is here on this planet. And this song, while it is released through your physical apparatus, nevertheless originates or can originate in your soul. It mingles with notes added from your planetary life path so that all may know who you are during your lifetime and so that all may rejoice with you as you celebrate. When another bird sings with us, we do not look for harmony because that isn't the point at all. The point, if there must be one, is about all voices being raised, all voices being held in mutual celebration of each other and of our partnership and balance with each other on this planet you call Earth. 
We refer to her as mother, and it is upon her breath that some of us soar great distances, as that is part of our life path. Some of us stay earthbound, yet we do not consider ourselves confined. The only time we are confined is when we are with you in your homes. Yes, there can be great satisfaction from that. Yes, there can be great compassion and love between us, and at the same time, we miss the air beneath our wings. That is not to say we love you less. It's that we love in equal amounts our freedom. And it is about our freedom that we sing, and yet we are also held within the same span of gravity as the species you call human. We are held within the same dynamic of soulful beings here for the blink of an eye or longer. We would love to have you revel in our songs as well as release your own creation of what makes you sing with joy. It could be something that you make with your hands. It could be something that you support in another human's effort of creation. It could be anything of the song of joy that we all need from you so desperately. And at least that's how Bird sees it. Thanks for listening today. Leave a review if you'd like, and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. Reach out if you think I can be of service and to schedule online via www.lazanneflynn.com. Come and find me on social media, Facebook, Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I encourage you to sign up for my quarterly newsletter on my website, where I also post notices for upcoming events, the starting date of courses in the Animals Eye View Academy, and on online psychic fairs. The episodes of this podcast are now available on my YouTube channel, complete with subtitles. So check out that link in my podcast footer and be sure to subscribe. There will also be a link for the Buzzsprout subscription service in my podcast footer that's now available. Sign up to give recurring support today. It starts out as little as $3 per month. The animals and I thank you in advance. Tune in in two weeks' time where we'll talk about what we see as reactive-slash-aggressive behavior in dog. I think you may be surprised at what can also be reactive behavior and why it's important to know the difference when you choose their environment for play. This has been the Animal's Eye View Podcast. I'll see you next time.